Hey friends, before we dive into this incredible episode today, are you struggling with weight? Do you have extra pounds that you just want to lose desperately? Are you standing in the back of pictures because you feel less than? I want to share with you this incredible 30-day system that I've been using with my clients. If you need more energy, if you just want to lose that weight, if you want something that is, I call, goof-proof and simple and easy to follow, let's chat. I have some answers, I have some options, and I can't wait to share it with you. Now enjoy this episode, and I look forward to hearing from you. My name is Kelly Tyen, and welcome to Addicted to the Climb. Hey guys, welcome to the show. You are going to learn how I overcome adversity, hear from people just like you that have faced challenges and still keep climbing. Are you ready to elevate your life and choose your path? Let's do it together. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello everyone, welcome back to another fabulous episode of Addicted to the Climb. I hope you guys are all doing well this week and gearing up for a new week ahead, setting some goals, maybe focusing on something new to get you to that next level. That's what it's about, guys, with staying addicted to climbing higher always. And again, if you need help, reach out. You know where I am. Well, today I have a fabulous, inspirational woman that we have been going back and forth me to get her on my show. She is the epitome of someone that is addicted to the climb. So I am so honored to have her today. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Amber Lee Lago. She's a health and wellness coach, TEDx speaker, podcaster, and a leading expert in the fields of resilience and transformation. She is a best-selling author of the book, True Grit and Grace, and empowers people around the world by sharing her story of how she turned a tragedy into triumph. Through her book, her coaching methods, workshops, she has curated unique tools to teach others how to tap into their superpower of resilience and perseverance through any of life's challenges. She offers hope and solutions for anyone like herself living in chronic pain and to live life to the fullest. Amberly has most recently been featured on NBC's Today Show, The Doctors, Hallmark, Good Morning, and contributed to magazines such as Shape, Fit Pregnancy, Health, and Disability Magazine. Wow, what an honor again to have Amberly on the show. She's such an incredible woman of strength and resilience, as I said. So, welcome to the show, mm-hmm. Amberly. Oh, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. I am so grateful that we're seeing each other and I'm just so honored to get to be here with you and your audience. I know there's so many things that people could be doing right now. So I just appreciate that they're listening in and it's really my intention to share any tips and tools that I've learned along the way um, because I've definitely failed a lot, but I keep getting back up. (laughs) That's it. That's all we can do. And that's exactly what we're sharing with everyone listening today. And I love that you just said that because that's what it's all about. We have to get back up constantly Mm -hmm. and we all need reminders. So today, everyone take a pen and paper, write down some notes. I'm sure you're going to learn 
a few tools to take with you, even just starting for today. But before we dive in, I like to ask my guests some fun questions to, to start. Are you ready? Yeah, let's have some fun. Okay. So <laughs> what is the first thing you do in the morning? I pray. Okay. Before my feet hit the floor, I say, thank you, God. Uh, because a lot of times we wake up and it's like, oh, good God, it's another day. But if we start our day with good morning, God, and be in gratitude, it just sets the tone for the day um, with all the good things that are coming our way and a life of abundance. And it really shifts my perspective right away. So the first thing I do is pray. Amen to that. I am right there with you, right there with you. It's the only way I can get up out of bed to tell mm -hmm. you the truth. And okay. Are you a coffee or tea drinker? I got my coffee right here. Oh, oh I mean, love it. I have a Wonder Woman mug as well. <laughs> She's showing oh, me her Wonder Woman mug. Yeah, so I, I love, but I have to say, and, and sometimes I will have coffee, tea, water, juice right here on my desk, but I'm a coffee drinker every morning, tea drinker every night. I'm really big about my morning ritual and my nightly ritual. Um, so I love both, but definitely a, a coffee addict. I love it. I'm, I'm a coffee <laughs> first thing in the morning, but I've been trying off and on for years actually to do the tea in the afternoon because sometimes I'll go for that coffee, but I'm like, oh, the green tea is so good for me. I should mm -hmm. have that. I, so I'm trying to get into maybe one tea in the afternoon. I love it. So that's actually, I was going to ask you the next question. What's the last thing you do before you go to bed? Um, the last thing I do before I go to bed is I, every night I get in bed with my daughter and we cuddle with our little three pound dog. And I always ask her, what's the best thing that happened to you today? And what's one thing that you're grateful for? And then I usually end my day with prayer too. And I usually pray about things that I'm really struggling with. Um, any big decisions. I really pray about it. And it's, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but when I wake up in the morning, the answer comes to me. It's sometimes not the answer that I want to hear or think I want to hear, but um, I kind of just turn it over, turn over the day and um, focus on small victories. Um, I think it's for me, I, I like to just go, go, go and push, push, push. But if I don't take a moment to really think about at least some of the things that I did get to check off my list. Um, and so I, I talked to my daughter about that and try to get her in the habit of, of really thinking about the good things that happened throughout the day as well. And it really sets your day up for success starting the night before it makes a difference in how you start your following day. I, Amberly, you're speaking right to me. And I host a Bible study every Monday night for my ladies and inside my Facebook group. And this is the stuff we talk about going to bed with really. Oh yes. Like, so I just did a podcast called it's about releasing the outcome. So we, I've been talking to them about when we pray with our intentions, then you, we have to just release the outcome and let God do his thing. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you just said you go to bed and sometimes you wake up with those answers, but sometimes it's not in God's timing in what you want at that moment, but pray, release the outcome. And it just lifts it off your chest. I think it's just a much better way to live. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, I feel like sometimes I, I forget, I think that I have to do it all alone, you know, that, oh, I just have to, to do this. And then I'm reminded that we're never alone. We can always turn it over and ask for help. And when I, you know, a really good friend of mine, she always uh, reminds me, her name's Shannon. She always says, let Gus drive the bus and meaning God, universe, spirit. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have to be in control or in charge. Yes, I have to, you know, really have my intention set and take, you know, actionable steps to get where I need to go. But I can turn it over and I can pray about it and know that I'm not alone. And sometimes I forget. And I just, I think it's great to have friends that will remind you, mm -hmm. turn it over, mm -hmm. <laughs> ask God for help. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you do a Bible study. I have never been a part of a Bible study. Well, you I, are I welcome. join you sometime. Absolutely. On your... Every Monday we've been doing this for months at 7 p.m. Eastern. So you are, I'll send you my link. How's that? <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank you. Yes, absolutely. The more, the merrier. I want to just, how about if we just do two more quick ones, sweet or salty? I would say definitely salty. Okay. I love salty too. Salty. <laughs> and what book? Yeah, is I, you know what? What? Sorry, I, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to ask you what book you're oh, reading. Right I was now. just going to say. What book am I reading? Oh my gosh. I have, if you could see, I've got a stack of books over here. I've got a stack of books on my desk. Um, right now um, I'm reading a book called Man Up. Um, I think it could be Woman Up too, but Man Up. And it's really about, you know, persevering, being an, an entrepreneur. I'm about to interview Bedros for that book. But my favorite, one of my favorite books is The Four Agreements. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it's to me, I would, the idea of sitting on a beach and just being able to read sounds like heaven to me. Mm -hmm. Every morning I wake up and I spend at least 10 minutes um, time to read and I have an accountability partner. So every morning we text each other and um, I'll take a screenshot of something that I've read that's meaningful and I'll send it to her and three things that I'm grateful for. So it helps to have somebody that, you know, they're, they're waiting for what you're going to send them or what you're grateful for. So I think it's important to, to do a little bit of reading, either if it's a self-development book or spiritual book, I love to continually grow and learn. So um I love to read. I just, I love audible books too, though. Mm, I couldn't agree more. I, and I'm, I encourage mm -hmm. my circle as well. Just pick up a book and read, as you said, personal development, something that's going to take you to the next level. And even if you're struggling in a relationship, find a book that can help you move past those obstacles. So I think it's mm -hmm. so important that we spend time doing that every single day. So Amber Lee, I want to jump into your story because it is unbelievable and you have such an incredible story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, how it all started for you? How did you grow up? What did you want to be when you grew up, actually? That's a question I wanted to ask you. Oh, you know what? I knew from a very young age that I wanted to grow up and be a professional dancer in Los Angeles. And I mean, I was eight years old and I knew I was going to move to 
California. And here I am and I'm looking out the window. I've got views of the palm trees. And, you know, I think my family thought I was kind of crazy because I was from a small town and, you know, you just didn't do that. You go to LA and be a dancer. That's crazy talk. Mm -hmm. And um, I started dancing when I was three. And I think that one of the reasons my mom put me in dance, I don't know if it was just kind of the girly thing to do because I was such a tomboy, but other than dancing, um, I, I was like one of the boys. And so dancing became my outlet, my joy. And I, I discovered that when I danced, it genuinely made people happy and they smiled and they clapped and that feeling of making others, giving them that joy was I, I loved that feeling. So I remember, gosh, I was probably age five or six when I started going to the Dairy Queen every Friday night. And I don't know why my parents allowed this, but every Friday night after the football game, I would stand on the table and dance. They would turn the jukebox on and I would dance all, all night and, and people loved it. And then it got to where everywhere I would go, people would say, do that tap dance, show them that tap dance. And I would just bust out into a tap dance. And um, so the joy that it brought people, it made me realize um, I was thinking about that, you know, when you're age, you know, eight, 10, 12, the things that you love doing is usually connected to your purpose as you get older. And I thought about that. I heard somebody say that and I thought about that and I thought, well, yeah, I still love the things that I loved bringing joy to people when I was that age. I, that's still what I love doing. It's in a different way. Now it's through, you know, my speaking or my podcast or my book or, or webinars or what, however I can touch people. And sometimes it's doing crazy dances on TikTok too, but I still love doing that. But um, yeah, I moved out to California when I was 18. I'd worked about, oh, four or five jobs, you know, lifeguarding, teaching dance, scrubbing toilets, babysitting, mm -hmm. uh, working at the cookie jar, making cookies, like whatever I could do. And I saved up $1,200 and packed up my car and moved out here. And I think ignorance is bliss because I did not know what I was getting myself into. And um, it was a wild adventure. I had a lot of people saying you're making a big mistake. You know, my family was like, you'll be back. You're, you're, you're crazy for going out there. And, you know, um, the last thing my stepmother actually said to me as I was pulling away was, I think you're making a big mistake. And she was shaking her head. And a month later I was on MTV dancing with MC hammer as his token white girl and can't touch this video. So I think that when you have that passion inside you, um, you don't, you might not always have the support of others like you would want, but as long as you have that belief in yourself and you keep stepping forward with courage um, and the grit, because I definitely wasn't the best dancer. Um, I didn't come from money. I didn't have a lot of things handed to me, but I had, um, hard work and a work ethic. And so I had that grit. And I think a lot of times that your grit will get you further than talent and your attitude and your um, gratitude 
will get you far as well. So I had a successful career with dance and moved into fitness and then transitioned into being uh, becoming an author, speaker and coaching um, after an accident that really changed the course of my life. And, and that's what I wanted to get into because you did have such drive. You were so active in your physical body, you know, with fitness and dance. And then as you were, what age was this when you had your accident? Um, this was 10 years ago. So this was when I was 38 years old. So were you in yeah. the middle of your health and fitness career? Mm -hmm. at that point? I had okay. been, yeah, I got into fitness training. So not, not only was I a, a trainer, I had several trainers that I employed. I was doing infomercials with body by Jake. I was on the, you know, sponsored by Nike. I was doing um, fitness videos. I, I was on the cover of vitamin labels. It was a huge business for me. Um, I was really at the top of my career and it all changed when I was hit by an SUV coming home from work on my motorcycle. And I did not realize laying in the street when I looked down at my leg and I only looked down at, one, at it once because so I was thrown about 30 feet and I was sliding across the asphalt. And, and when I looked down, it's crazy to look at your leg and see it just completely crumbled into pieces. And my leggings, I felt like were the only thing that was holding my leg together and blood was everywhere. And I didn't want to let go of my leg because I really, I thought it was going to fall off of my body and I was screaming and the, one of the first things that came to mind was, gosh, this can't be good. I might have to train clients on crutches for a while. I mean, that's one of the first things, not, oh gosh, you know, I thought my thing, and I realized later, much later, like one of my defaults is, well, what can I do next? You know, not like my, it's always, what am I going to do next? And so um, little did I know that I would be, you know, I was literally dying. My femoral artery was severed. Um, I rushed to the hospital and I was put in induced coma. And when I woke up from a coma, I had no idea how long I had been out. You know, they had put Vaseline on your eyes. You've got tubes going down your throat. My arms are flailing. I'm just trying to get these tubes out. And I'm thinking, I got to, you know, what's going on? I don't want my older daughter to know. I don't want her to be upset or worried that I'm in the hospital. I got to get a hold of my clients and make sure, you know, I thought I'd been out maybe a day. I'd been out like a week and a half. And so I was confused when, you know, you're like, I saw my mom at the hospital and I thought, wow, this must be really serious for my mom to take off work and be here. How long have I been out? And then that's when they told me they were going to have to amputate my leg. And it was like, what? You're going to amputate my leg? And they said, well, yeah, you've got, you only have a 1% chance of saving your leg. We're going to need to amputate it. And I thought, well, wait a minute. You just said I have a 1% chance. So that means there's still a chance. We need to find a doctor who's going to be willing to take that chance with me. And so we, that took an act of God. Um, I got transferred to a different hospital and it took 34 surgeries 
and over the course of a few years to save my leg, put it together piece by piece. And that was really the beginning of my healing journey when I was released from the hospital and diagnosed with a nerve disease as a result of the trauma. And that's why um, earlier when you were introducing me as I live with constant chronic pain, that's the thing that yes, 34 surgeries, it's crazy. I mean, to think about, you know, going through anesthesia, going under 34 times. One of my longest surgeries was a 10 and a half hour surgery. Um, and just each time waking up and not knowing, is this the time I'm going to wake up and I will still have a leg or is this the time they're going to amputate it? Like not the not knowing and the fear and um, that was hard. But the really the hardest thing is living with a nerve disease called it's dubbed the suicide disease because it leaves you in constant chronic pain. And the reason I share about this is because, you know, we all have pain. You may not have like constant chronic pain or physical pain, but we all go through painful moments in life, whether, you know, someone's listening right now and you're dealing with a breakup or you're dealing with a loss from COVID or maybe your, your job, you lost your job because of COVID or, or whatever the circumstances are, we all go through those painful moments. And so I feel the pain that I've experienced has been one of my biggest teachers. It's taught me compassion for myself, patience. Um, it's taught me how to love myself through situations because I didn't know how to do that. All I knew was grit. And I feel like, you know, we really have to give ourselves the grace, especially in these challenging times to, to get through these moments. Um, and my pain has also taught me that, you know, I, I felt so alone. I didn't want people to know how much I was struggling or, you know, and it's, that's still really hard for me. I mean, even, um, starting to talk with you this morning, I was like, oh, my pain's bad today. And sometimes it makes me kind of foggy. And I feel like I can't think fast enough. I feel it's called brain fog. And so I'm like, oh gosh, am I going to be able to think fast enough? Am I going to be, and um, you know, I'm an overcoming perfectionist and perfection isn't possible, <laughs> but transformation is. And um, if we, Yes, if we have the grit to keep moving forward one step at a time, but it's so important and I can't share enough how important it is just to give ourselves the grace and just take a breath and realize that we all go through hard times. And when we know that we're not alone in those struggles, that's what gives us to hope, the hope to keep moving forward. Oh my gosh. I have the goosebumps and I'm sure you guys listening mm -hmm. right now you just said so much and I want to cry at this moment. I want to be happy. I have all the emotions going on. Mm. I felt everything that you just said. I was there with you in that hospital room. And I just, I know that you speak about, well, first of all, you said so much, but when you heard that doctor tell you that you had a 1% chance and that was all you needed to hear, that is the most, I've never heard anybody really say that to be honest. Mm. I mean, people listen to the negative, the, the 99% and, 
and they take that and then self-pity and all the other fearful emotions come upon people when they hear that you took that one percent, Amberly, which is an incredible way to look at life. I mean, if we could all just stop right now, and if you have a 1% chance, hang on to that. I think that is part of healing. I think mm -hmm. that's a part of seeing things through, getting you to that next step, getting you to that next place, emotionally, whatever the journey you're on, and not letting the negativity or a doctor's you know, telling you, you have this, I heard I had breast cancer. So I had to either say, okay, thank you for telling me that, but I'm going to live my life and, and I'm going to fight this, or I'm going to take that diagnosis and have a self-pity party and, and honestly torture myself that way. That 1% chance of having your leg sought you through, like you saw yourself healing in that moment. And I know you talk about acceptance and mm -hmm. how accepting your circumstances is because that's what you did and how that changed your life. But what about the people that have a very hard time? How did you say, okay, I'm going to accept my circumstance and this is what I'm going through. How did you do that? I mean, was that just innate in you? No, it was really hard. <laughs> It was, I mean, it, it was hard. I am stubborn and I did not want to accept that I was diagnosed with a nerve disease. In fact, when I was first diagnosed, I went to a doctor and he's like, oh, you've got something very serious. And I'm like, yeah, I got hit by an SUV. It's kind of serious, but look, I'm on crutches. Isn't this awesome? You said it'd take two years to be on crutches and I'm already on crutches and it's only four months. And look at, you know, I was so proud. He's like, um, no, you've got something really serious. You need to go home and get back in your wheelchair. And I was like, okay, well, for how long? And he goes forever. And I was crushed. He said, no, you're going to be permanently disabled. You have a nerve disease. There's no known cure. Um, you're never going to work again. You're probably going to have to wear orthopedic shoes for the rest of your life. And the list went on and on. And I was pretty much stopped listening when he said the word never. And I was like, what? And I cried all the way home. And then I got home, changed my clothes, went straight to physical therapy. And the physical therapist was like, Amberly, you don't have an appointment today. Why are you here? And I said, Terry, I said, I know I don't have an appointment, but I've just learned something and I'm, I'm going to have to work harder than I've ever worked before. If I want to have, I'm getting emotional because I didn't know it was going to be so hard. <laughs> um, and by the way, I have a key to the physical therapy facility because I was at physical therapy so much. They're like, you know what, girl, here's a key. It's your home too. Um but, you know, I think when when we're resilient, it's really focusing on the positive um, or choosing carefully what you're going to focus on, because I could have easily focused on the 99 percent or the 99 reasons or whatever it is why I should amputate my leg or why things won't work out and you know, I, I love the underdog. I love rooting for the underdog. My, my daughter, 
she um, is an equestrian and she got a, a, a horse that was kind of sent out to pasture. He was really skinny. He had a big scar going down his face and, and we bought her that horse. And, and so many girls made fun of her and they're like, oh my gosh, you're never going to win any competitions with that skinny old horse. He's so old and he's ugly and blah, blah, blah. And my daughter would cry. And I'm like, Ruby, you, this is, this is what you have. This is what you have to work with. You're a team. You, you can do this together. Well, she worked hard. There were a lot of tears. She worked really hard every day and she did her first competition and she got first place out of 54 girls. She was champion. And so I think that it's important, you know, to, to teach resilience, um, and to show our children that we can be an example of resilience. We can be the victim of our life or we can be the victor. Mm -hmm. And so in every way, my children have been my biggest um, inspirations and I've wanted to be an example of resilience for them. But acceptance back to your question was really hard for me. I did not want to accept this diagnosis, but when you can take a good hard look at your life and it's hard sometimes um, there's been a lot of things in my life that I didn't want to accept, but when I did, I could shift it from feeling like it doesn't mean that I'm defeated or that I'm admitting that something's wrong that with me and personally, it's like, I'm just saying that this is the situation and now that I have admitted and accepted this, I can embrace it and then think of the steps that I need to take to make my life better. And so to me, acceptance is freedom. It allows you the opportunity to make your life the best that it can be. And also when I was in acceptance, you know, I used to be so ashamed of how I looked. I was so embarrassed of all my scars and would want to wear boots or baggy pants or anything to cover up the way that I looked and I didn't want people to see me. And um, sometimes it helps when you can have somebody believe in you or show you the love um, they have for you before, you know, and thankfully my husband loved me before, you know, until I could love myself. I have, um, some of my best friends who loved me until I could love myself. And then I had my doctor who really shifted the way that I looked at my leg and he changed my life. He didn't just save my leg, but I went into him and I was really struggling. And I said, I've got a solution. Um, we need to just, I said, I appreciate that you have done all these surgeries to save my leg, but it's given me too much pain. I can't deal with the pain anymore. You're going to have to just cut it off. And he's like, well, we really can't do that. You have this nerve disease and it could actually spread. It's in your sympathetic nervous system. So that's no longer a solution for you. And he put my leg in his lap and he looked at it like it was a masterpiece. My first thought was, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's putting my disgusting leg on his nice white jacket. My damaged, broken, ugly leg. And he, the way he looked at it, something shifted in me. And I thought, wow, if he can look at it like that, I, maybe I can learn to love it too. And something changed from that day on. I learned to look at it with compassion 
and with gratitude. And I looked at the scars as the battles I had won instead of being broken or ugly. And now when I look at my leg, I'm like, wow, what a freaking miracle this leg is that I can stand. I was told I'd be wheelchair bound just to go get in my wheelchair. And so when I look at it with gratitude and um, it's, it changes your world when you can shift your perspective. And I think gratitude is the quickest way to do that and the easiest and, and the least expensive too. If you can just be grateful, it changes your whole life. 100%. And I think what I'm hearing you say over and over and for everyone listening in every, in all situations of life, especially setbacks, obstacles, tragedies, we have to stop and know that we have a choice to make in those very moments. The choice that we make is going to make or break us. And as Amberly made choices, she chose to live her life and nobody can take that away from her. No doctor, no, no words, no, no negative thoughts. They can come and go, but you're choosing constantly and consistently to make choices that you are not going down. You are fighting with grit and grace. And I just, again, have the goosebumps, just listening to everything and every word that you have said. I can't Mm. wait to go back and listen to this again, to be honest. Oh, you You are just so sweet. I just appreciate you. And and Amberly, I appreciate you. Everything that you've said is almost life-changing for people. And no wonder why you have a TED Talk and all the speaking you do, you're just touching so many people in ways of hope because you are. And being resilient is a hard thing to do. People don't just get back up. They don't bounce back. They hear, you know, diagnosis on a daily basis and they sit in that and they don't, they're not resilient enough to get back. And I hope people today, even if it's one person can just say, you know what, I'm going to get on my feet. I'm not going to let that doctor tell me that I'm going to, that I have a death sentence or anything else that they're telling me is wrong with me. And I'm going to fight because we have a choice and it changes once we change it in here in our head. You know, it, it puts you in the driver's seat when you realize you have a choice Mm -hmm. and, and that's a thing. And, you know, when you realize you have a choice, you take your power back. And I mean, even something as simple as, so when I first got out of the hospital, I was on 11 different prescription medications and, you know, the doctors kept saying, you know, you're going to need to be on these antidepressants. Your life is wrecked. Basically every doctor was like, girl, you're going to need to be on antidepressants. And I was like, okay, whatever I have to do. I was, and I kept saying, if I can just work out again, I know I'll be okay. Exercise is my medicine, but I I was bedridden. I couldn't even use the bathroom on my own. And so I remember going to this one, they sent me to a psychiatrist who was going to analyze all the medications and tell me which prescription to be on and this and that. And And he was going through all the medications and one of the medications was Lyrica and the main side, the Mm -hmm. side effect was weight gain. And you hear horrible, oh, you're going to gain 50 pounds. I gained a hundred pounds on that medication, this and that. And I said, oh, wow, well, weight gain's one of the, you know, me being all up in my fitness training and in my ego, like here I'm scarred from the leg down and I'm like, weight gain, I don't want to gain weight. And he said, well, 
that's really up to you. That depends on how much you eat. He goes, yes, one of the side effects is weight gain, but you get to decide what you're going to put in your mouth. And if you just don't eat quite as much, if it slows your metabolism down, then that's up to you. And that was like so empowering. I left there, you know, I went in feeling like, oh, you know, woe is me. I got to take all these medications. And I left there going, no, I get to be in the driver's seat. I get to make choices. Yes, things don't always go as planned, but I get to make choices on how I'm going to respond to these situations. And, and you know, it, it is hard going through any kind of diagnosis, whether it's cancer or, you know, your health or a surgery or, or anything. And it's okay to, to feel bad and to, and to have that pity party. It's, mm-hmm. it's okay. We yeah. all have been there. Yes. Mm-hmm. We just can't stay there. And so what I'm saying is you have the ability, we all have resilience within us, but it's getting up every day. And first of all, deciding that you want more and then asking yourself, well, what can I do today? What's one small thing that I can do to feel empowered, to feel? And and for me, that meant my first goal, believe it or not, when I got home from the hospital, one of my very first goals was I want to be able to stand up out of bed for for three seconds. And because I was in so much pain, the blood would get stuck at the bottom of my leg and the veins and arteries, they couldn't move the blood back up. I wanted to be able to use the bathroom on my own. It is humiliating for me. It was to, (laughs) to have to ask somebody to carry your bedpan for you. So one of my big goals was how can, what can I do today to be able to use the bathroom on my own? And so whether, you know, you're recovering from an accident or you're an entrepreneur like me and you're like, okay, I'm working on this big course. What is one thing I can do today that's going to move me closer to my goal? And if you just start breaking those goals down into actionable steps Mm -hmm. that you can do, if I would have, if my goal would have been, I want to run, I want to get back to running marathons. I met, I, I, pro, I may still be sitting in bed because that was too big of a goal. It was, I, I couldn't sit, I couldn't do that. It's the same thing. If somebody says, I want to lose a hundred pounds. No, focus on the one pound, the one I love, pound, I love this. one day at a time. Yes. One step at a time. That is all I preach. That's all we can do is take that one little step to give us the motivation to want to do it again. And that's it day after day, those small baby steps can reap such rewards. And Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about your confidence though, as well, because, you know, we all suffer with confidence issues at times where it can dip and then it can be high. I'm sure there's been many moments where your confidence, either in yourself, what you can do has dipped. How do you level that up again? How do you get back the confidence when you're at those low moments? Oh, I had zero. If if it could go below zero, I was like below zero. I had none. I mean, I, my whole life being a dancer and an athlete and then a fitness model. I mean, I was in shape magazine. I was in fit pregnancy. I was a featured writer in, in those magazines. Um, to go from that 
to now my legs deformed and scarred from the hip down. I felt broken. I felt like, um, am I going to be able, am I going to be able to chase after my kids? Is my husband going to be attracted to me? I felt disgusting and unworthy. And I realized at that moment, my worth had been built on what I could provide and what I looked like. And I know that seems shallow, but I mean, I was like a walking billboard back then for my fitness business. I didn't have social media back then. All my business was word of mouth. And um, I really, you know, everything was fitness. And so to have all of that feel like the rug was completely pulled out from underneath me, I really had to start from zero to start building my self-confidence. And I think confidence is something that can come and go. It can be knocked right out of you. And it's something that we have the ability to, to work on. And, you know, our good friend, Heather Monahan is the, the queen of confidence. And I love what she shares about building confidence um, in her book, uh, really is a great book for building confidence. So I, I really highly suggest people read her book and listen to her podcast too. Yes. Um, but for me, the confidence came from doing things that were scary, like jumping out of my comfort zone and, and accomplishing a small goal gave me the confidence to do a little bit more. But for instance, when I got asked to do my first TED Talk, um, I thought I'd be really excited about that. And I was scared to death. I was like, oh my God, this is really happening. And do I really have an important message? Who cares what I have to say? You know, like mm -hmm. major imposter syndrome. I was the only speaker that didn't have a PhD. I don't even have a college education. I'm the, like the fitness girl. Who cares what I have to say? You know, like all these thoughts going through my head. And let me tell you, when, when you're having a moment and you're feeling like you're not confident, if you can, and I will visually like, like think, get out of my head and I like push myself into my heart and say, stay in my heart because, you know, we all have experiences. We all have um, a story. Your story um, with cancer is going to be somebody else's roadmap to get through some scary, challenging days ahead. We all have a, a gift and experience. And when we come together and share those experiences, um, that's how we grow. That's how we connect. And so for me, confidence comes from being in my heart. And somebody who helped me that, with that was the curator for TEDx. I said, you know, I'm the only one that doesn't have a PhD. And I'm not, I know that a TEDx isn't to try to promote my book, but do you think we could at least like put author behind my name or something? And she goes, wait a minute, are you feeling self-conscious because you don't have initials behind your name? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, I'm the only one. And she said, you have a PhD in heart. And that's why we've asked you to speak on our stage. And that was like life-changing for me. Wow. It's all how you look at, at things, right? And so 
um, from now on, I'm just like, okay, I don't need all these fancy letters. I just have to know that my heart is in this and that I genuinely care and want to make a difference in people's lives. And um, also, as far as the confidence, I think that we talked about acceptance. And when you can accept who you are, when you can truly own your story, then you can be comfortable in your own skin. And for me, I think it's really important when um, you're sharing, whether it's on social media or you're giving a talk or a presentation, um, that you're sharing from a scar and not an open wound. So the first time I ever showed my scars on social media, I had healed for years and it had taken me a long time to accept those scars and wear shorts again. You know, I had a doctor tell me, oh, you'll never wear shorts again. You know, you'll because of all those scars. And it was really freeing when I could be in acceptance and I could wear shorts because I see my scars differently. I see them as what I've overcome. And when I started to share on social media, you know, me wearing shorts or me dancing on TikTok or whatever it was, I had people, women especially, reaching out to me saying, you've given me permission to love my body again and to accept where I am on my journey. So thank you for that. And you know what? When we can just um, really be comfortable in our own skin, that's confidence. And I think that confidence is, it's more attractive than, you know, having a bunch of initial, it's not all the initials behind your name. It's really how you feel about yourself. Other people can tell you, but it's really how you feel. And I think exercising is one of the quickest ways to build your confidence. Um, for me in the hospital, I had a chin up bar installed over I the bed. That. I'm so glad you said, I wanted you to tell my listeners that guys, she was in the hospital and obviously couldn't walk and couldn't stand up on her own and tell the story how you asked for a chin up bar. Well, the doctors <laughs> thought I was crazy. They were like, this girl's nuts. They've never heard that. I'm sure I can guarantee they've never heard any patient ask for a chin-up bar. I was like, yeah, can I please get like a chin-up bar installed over my bed? And because I wanted to keep my upper body strong and believe me, the nurses loved that I could change, you know, take care of my bedpan. They had enough. I was on the orthopedic floor and they had enough to take care of with a lot of people with hip replacements and stuff that were like 80 years old and plus. So they were like, okay, good. Yeah. Get her the chin up bar. But I knew if I could keep my upper body strong, it wasn't just because I, I wanted muscles for my upper body. It's what it did for me mentally. When you move your body, it moves your mood. It moves your mindset. It builds your confidence. It releases endorphins that make you feel good. They, they actually make you feel more in love with life. And so um, I think right now with COVID, I mean, here in LA, it's been so locked down. The gyms just finally opened back up. It's been a year of gym shutdown. So I right away did what I could with <clears throat> some, we made a little home gym in the garage, but I was leg pressing furniture. 
I was at the barn picking up goats, doing squats with goats, like picking up my daughter, doing what I could. And that's the thing, you know, people ask me, well, how do you move when you're in pain? Well, I, I'm, I always say this, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. And there are some days I can't do things with my lower body, but I can still do things with my upper body. Um, you know, I was hit by a car back in December and I was like, well, crap, now I can't do things with my upper body. Cause I, I burst the capsule in my thumb. Um, but I was like, okay, it's, there's, a, there's always a way to figure it out. And if you can move, like if you could see my office, I've got a chin up bar installed in my doorway. I have a Swiss ball too, because it got, life gets busy on zoom. So you got to fit exercise in when you can. And it really more than anything is the quickest and easiest way to start building your confidence. I couldn't agree with you more. It's such an address. It, it does. It, if you haven't started your workout journey or you're afraid to jump in, I tell them just do something to move because as you said, it makes those happy emotions just start stirring up and you look at yourself different. You feel, wow, I can do this. Just go outside for a walk. It, everything you said is spot on. It is so true. And that absolutely can start building your confidence if you're very low in that area right now. Oh yeah. And I was going to say, especially for women, because um, look, I, I've been mugged. My brother used to beat the crap out of me when I was little. We're, we're friends now, but he was really like, it was not right. And so, and then I, I was in, um, a marriage where I was abused physically in the marriage. And so I uh, decided to do Krav Maga, Muay Thai kickboxing and boxing. Let me tell you that built confidence in me. Like, I mean, it was the most confident I ever felt back when I was doing that all the time. Now I can't do the kickboxing anymore. I've tried. It's not fun sure. kicking with a leg full of metal. Oh. But if it ladies out there, I'm telling you, go do if you can do, you know, now they have you can Google anything uh, or YouTube it and find kickboxing classes. But Krav Maga was one of the best things I ever did for my confidence. I'm going to try I, that. I've never done that. Oh my God. It was, it was incredible. It makes you walk down the street different. Right. You, you like hold your chest out. Like nobody's messing with you. You know oh, what I mean? I so love it's this. I, ladies, <laughs> let's let message me. If anybody is interested, let's, let's put a group together here. I love that. I love trying new things too, especially in the fitness area. Oh, Amberly, you have given us so much today. I feel like we need to do a part two because there's, I had so many notes and I loved this conversation in more ways than you can imagine. And I'm sure everybody else did as well. And you just gave us so mm. much hope, ways to build our confidence, ways to look at, you know, perspective of life and things that, you know, happen unexpectedly and how to deal with those things. So I can't thank you enough for that. Everything you shared and poured your heart today. I just want you to know how grateful I am to have had you today on this show because I know oh, I'm so grateful for I you. Am. I know that anybody, even if one person listened to this, their life is definitely going to be changed by your oh. message. And I can well, guarantee you that. 
Thank you. I just get emotional getting to talk to you. You know, when you see friends, like you can like, oh, think life is good. Life is good. But then when you connect with a friend and they're like, how are you really? And you just like can be yourself and and you're like, oh, I just so happy to see you. That's the feeling I have with you. Like I, you have such a beautiful heart and you do so much for your community that it is just such an honor to be here with you. So thank you. This was the best way to start my day. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful too. Honestly, I can't thank you enough. I just, um, I know I'm going to definitely want to have you back and I'm so excited to further our friendship. This is amazing. I love this. I mean, this is what podcasting is meeting new people, sharing stories. So you can just help people take that next step. And that's what you did today. So again, thank you. And I want to know where, if somebody wants to message you or reach out to you, where do you want them to go? Yeah, please reach out. And, and I have a downloadable goals, grit and grace playbook that kind of goes through the steps to, you know, take actionable steps to build your resilience. And if you text the word grit to 818-214-7378, it'll send you a free playbook, but also reach out to me on Instagram at Amberly Lago Motivation. You can see some of the crazy behind the scenes shenanigans we do over here and just DM me. And, and uh, my website is amberlylago.com where I have free downloadable resources as well. My book you can find um, on Amazon or any, you know, bookstores at it's true grit and grace. And my podcast is true grit and grace. And I love my favorite part is connecting with people. I'm a people collector. So please reach out to me and um, let me know uh, how I can serve you. So thank you again, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yes, everyone grab her book. It is an amazing story. You will love it. True grit and grace, turning tragedy into triumph as she has done. And I'm just so happy to keep following you myself, connect with you more. So again, thank you so much for taking the time today to be here. Thank you. And guys, listen, reach out to either one of us. If you love this show, please screenshot it, tag us both. So this message can get out and help transform more people. And until next week, you guys. Keep on climbing. If you love this episode, make sure you guys tag me. And because I appreciate you all so much, I am offering you 10% off my course, Addicted to the Climb. You can find that on my website, kellytyan.com. Make sure to spell it K-E-L-L-E-Y-T-Y-A-N. Until the next time, keep on climbing.